The Game of Thrones Season 6 premiere was on Sunday night. Here to talk about it are Rachel Handler, who's recapping the show weekly. Oh my god, she's not hot. She's not young. <laughs> she's just old and gross. Crystal Bell, our expert who's actually read all of the books. I just want to see maybe Jon Snow be happy. Maybe he just can't stop smiling and that's like the new <laughs> Jon Snow. And Ingu Kang, our chief TV writer at MTV News. I, I think one of the things that the show does so well is give you these like rich, layered histories of every character. Welcome to the first episode of Game of Crones. So in, in a sentence, how, how did you guys feel about last night's episode? Mm, uh, never again will a weak man rule Game of Thrones. That's kind of how I felt. <laughs> nice. Very, very accurate. Weak men will never rule Dorne again. That's like we have three women talking about it right now. Exactly. Yes. We don't even need a man's opinion. No. Who needs a man? <laughs> uh, what about you, Ingo? I thought it was a really, really fantastic premiere. I feel like I was a little down on the show after last year because I felt like things were getting a little repetitive and I kept thinking, like, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. And now I feel like they've, like, reestablished all of the chess pieces in a way that, like, makes the political instability of the show and like of all of the kingdoms really exciting mm -hmm. in a way that like I think is like very much in contrast to almost all of the individual threats because there are so many like threats of violence on last night's episode with very little follow through which was kind of a relief but now that like we have all of these kingdoms that have either really weak rulers or have no rulers because Dorne just had its king killed like Daenerys is not a Marin there's no lord commander in the wall and uh there's a boy king who is basically being overpowered by a creepy priest in King's <laughs> Landing I really love the fact that I really feel like anything could happen I can't speak for the flames but he's gone so let's talk about Jon Snow, which is really all anyone ever cared about for an entire year. So yeah, he's still dead. Uh, what Will he remain dead? I think he, I mean, he's dead. He's going to remain dead. I would be shocked if they dragged this out past episode three, episode four max. I think this stuff that's happening at the wall is going to be rapid fire. You saw on that first episode, Davos is waiting. And he has a hard deadline. <laughs> and we've already seen in the clip that they've released that he grabs Longclaw and he is ready to kick some ass. So I'm just waiting for that moment. I think hopefully that happens in episode two. And by episode three, maybe Melisandre can get her shit together. And we can uh, maybe resurrect Jon Snow. And then he can uh, cease the fighting. So I, I think that's what it's building up to. You think that she's going to resurrect him? I do. And I, I there's... Again, I've read the book, so I'm at this whole unique place where I know nothing. <laughs> it feels great. But she has the ability to, and we know that she does. She, she's never used it before, or at least that we know of. But we know that there have been red priests that have brought people back from the dead. We saw that in season three. So I think all the stars are aligning for that to happen. How she does it, I don't know. I think there are people that are might you know they're assuming that maybe she sacrifices herself hmm. which is interesting 
I don't know if she has to do that because I think being as old as she is, as now we know, right. she's pretty powerful. So I don't right. know if she'd have to sacrifice herself. But I definitely think that she will do that. Uh, how she does it, I don't know. Okay. Where she gets the inspiration to do it because she, from what we see, like she's pretty down on herself right now. So <laughs> she's not feeling I don't herself. know how it's all going to come together, but that's definitely what has to happen. Okay. What do you think, Ingo? I feel like taking a step back, I thought it was so brilliant of the writers to not actually have him resurrected in the season premiere because that's what everybody was looking forward to and that's what everybody wanted to see. And so to basically cock block the audience, like I thought that was really <laughs> smart because the actor Kit Harrington has been seen and photographed on the set of Game of Thrones for this season. I also think that it's probably pretty inevitable that he'll be back. I would love it actually if he came back in like a wrong form because now that we know that Sansa is running toward Castle Black, it would just be wonderfully painful if she showed up and like sought protection from her brother and then it turned out he was a zombie. Like I actually kind of want to watch that even though I feel so bad for her at this point. I was going to say, I'm like, no, she needs to go through some more shit for sure. Yeah, no, I, I would love it. I think that is so awesome that you said that because I would love it if Jon Snow came back and he was changed. I think what we've seen is that when people are brought back, uh, when they are resurrected, they're, they're pretty different. There's always something slightly off. So in my mind, I just want to see maybe Jon Snow be happy. Maybe he just can't stop smiling and that's like the new <laughs> Jon Snow. He's just like permanently on uppers walking around. <laughs> I would love to see that. The thing is that he's such a boring character too like yeah. he's heroic but he's not that interesting so and so definitely seeing him do something interesting and then kit harrington getting to do something interesting like that would be fun to watch absolutely so maybe we should talk a little bit about you know it's skipping to the end of the episode about melisandre and her oldness and that i mean personally for me I, I laughed out loud because i was like this is the most horrifying sort of big reveal that they could think of like oh my god she's not hot she's not young <laughs> she's just old and gross game of crones right <laughs> exactly like i was it was ridiculous i mean and then i was thinking i've never seen i mean we've seen things like that in the shining and we've seen things like that in um princess bride but we've never seen a man where the big reveal is like he's not hot and he's actually just old in in any sort of pop cultural yeah. I, I mean, unless you guys can think of something, I was like, that's never a, a male trope where it's like, oh, my God, he's gross. Come to think of it, like there are so few old women on the show and you mm -hmm. can sort of talk about it in the sense of like, well, maybe they didn't survive because they were all raped to death or whatever. But <laughs> that absence is quite stark, especially because we have so many older male characters. I was totally pretty fine with like the whole Melisandre reveal, if only because like now we have like confirmation that she is super magic. The one thing that really bothered me about that scene is that she, for some reason, had to have a shaved pussy because HBO <laughs> is so committed to having no pubic hair ever oh my God. that like they she has like stringy stuff like on her head so i mean she's 400 years old though wait i didn't even notice that at the very least if she has like stringy stuff like up there she should have stringy stuff down there like it really bothered me for sure true. but they have to give her like a bald merkin <laughs> why 
I was sad that that scene. I mean, I it had been hinted about for so long that she was not as she appeared. And the idea of glamours are nothing new to people who have read the books, especially that this last book that came out, Dance with Dragons. She basically gets her first POV chapter, Melisandre, and she explains to Jon Snow what glamours are. And she, a glamour is like a spell, and you know why you know the the magic sort of in her ruby on her necklace. But a glamour is a spell, and it very clearly is deceiving everyone. And she describes it as sort of like a shadow. But yeah, basically she says men see what they want to see Hmm. when you're using a glamour. So I just think about that. You know, I'm thinking about that, and then I'm thinking about her seducing John. I'm thinking about her seducing Stannis. Right. Meanwhile, she is this, this old powerful woman while doing so, which makes it that much better but I was also really sad during that scene because this is a woman who's given up on everything she seemed very fragile yeah. very it was alone sad. Yeah. yeah she and she just went to bed and the yeah. Melisandre we know and this is a fact she like never goes to sleep oh right I feel like the it was an interesting reveal and I think that Crystal was right in capturing like a particular mood that she was in but after the person that she had spent like probably years grooming to be the king after she picked a really big loser and Stannis I really wanted to know how she felt and the fact that the biggest reveal that they could give her was that she was gross and ugly that was disappointing because she <laughs> is a character that has yeah. had so little inner life on the show. And here was a really prime opportunity. And the show was like, nope, let me just like show you how women are kind of gross and icky. Mm-hmm. And like that was like the core of her deceit, not the fact that she, you know, told someone to kill his own daughter. Like at the core of her is the biggest thing she's the done. Biggest lie. The biggest lie she's told is that she's hot. <laughs> And everyone's just, like, so offended. (laughs) How could you? I mean, it was kind of nice, though, that if that kind of kinglessness is one was one major theme of the mm. season premiere the other one seemed to be like powerful women because we have Elaria sand mm-hmm. basically being like oh if you're not going to take care of business i will take care of business and we have brienne finally getting to do something really cool again i will shield your back and keep your counsel and give my life for yours if need be and it was just really great to mm-hmm. watch all of these women kick ass I was going to say, because just as many terrible things happened to women in this episode as good things, like, you know, uh, Sansa almost froze to death, the Revenant style. <laughs> we had, uh, you know, Arya's blind and homeless, and then Danny's being, you know, rape-threaded by a group of Dothrakis mm. again. Like, that bothers me. I'm like, are we really going to do this to her again? Yeah, it's very cyclical. <laughs> I think, that, I mean, the showrunners have made it very clear they just love Danny so much. But so much of her storyline just repeats itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that was the one storyline that I was just like, oh, we're doing this? All right, okay. I just felt right. tired. I was like, I yeah, can't. Yeah, like, call Morrow. Like, why are you <laughs> telling us, like, what one of the five best things in the world is? It was like seeing a woman naked for the first time. Right. But only for the first time. That was weird. It was like they were trying to be funny and it really landed poorly. Yeah. It is the Dothraki and that is yeah. their, like in their season one, that is the kind of weird humor that they added. But uh, I mean, Khal Drogo was instantly better at it. Right. <laughs> this guy is like a knockoff. It was forced. Yeah. 
I thought it was also really bizarre and weird that they knew that Khal Drogo existed. So that was like something that they knew. But they didn't know like the second most important thing about him, which is that he married a girl who had dragons. Like how do they know that he exists, but they don't know right. about like that other part, which I feel like even in a pre-industrial society, like word gets around about that kind of thing. No, I agree. And she looks so distinct. And they even called her the girl with white, white hair. hair. So that to me really read false as well. I was like, this. there's no way that they wouldn't know about her. Especially because I'm sure some of those same people were around back no, in the yeah. day when she was part of that whole I thing. Mean, I mean, in the in the books, Kal Moro and Kal Drogo know each other. Mm-hmm. So it it is highly unlikely that he would have not known who mm-hmm. Daenerys was. So that was very weird. I mean, there were some other weird things that happened as well, just with continuity's sake. I think uh, one of the things that the fans have caught on to is the Sand Snakes uh, brutally murdering Tristane. Right. But yet being on the dock when Tristane uh, left. And they were like, wait, how did this happen? I thought it was a different ship, maybe. No, it was the same ship. They just like got on a mini, like a rowboat, and they just like (laughs) rowed after. (laughs) They're like, you're right. That doesn't make any sense. I thought, I, I, was it the same ship that Marcella yeah, was on? They were on the same ship. So how? With yeah, Jamie. how did they get on there? I mean, it's uh, that's one of the questions that maybe the show will answer, and maybe they won't. I feel I'm, like they won't. I'm assuming they won't. <laughs> but be this also, I mean, if the ship is docked outside of King's Landing or tied at some sort of buoy point, because we know Jamie rode Marcella's beautiful dead body to shore. Mm-hmm. So that means that the sand snakes are kind of near King's Landing already. That's true. So that's really interesting. I'm really excited for that if we're yeah. talking about Dorne. Just to take a step back, why did Jamie already have a coffin that he <laughs> took to Dorne? That was very confusing. I didn't even notice the coffin. I just saw the Cersei-Jamie interaction and assumed that she just saw his face and knew Marcella was dead. And I was like, that's like kind of lovely. You, you just see the veil over her dead body But I didn't body even see it. I, I missed it. I completely missed no. It. it. No, there's like a golden, like blonde woodish coffin standing right behind him. So that was Maybe weird. they just like built it on the way. Yeah, he's really resourceful yeah. with his hand. <laughs> with his one hand, which is definitely how you want to nail things. Oh, but you wanted to talk about Dorne? Yeah, I mean, I thought Dorne... I mean, here's the thing. Dorne was such a letdown last season. And we've... The internet has already discussed this at length. I think a lot of people agree. Uh, The Dorne that I know is fucking cool. Like, they're awesome. I wanted to see... Like, I wanted to see, like, Arya Hota use his axe and, like, do something cool last season. That didn't happen. I wanted to see the Sand Snakes, like actually beat up on Jamie and Braun. That didn't happen. So it was like a very it was very much a letdown. And so this was very exciting. And I was super into it, even though R.I.P. Brent Storen, he did nothing in the show, so no one here will probably uh r- remember him, but I personally love him from the books. So that was that was a bit of a sad moment for me. But I'm just so excited to see what Dorn is up to because King's Landing is fractured. It is weak. And now is the time to attack. And that's what I want to see. I want to see a big battle. And you you were saying earlier that no one really cares about Dorne. Is that just because you feel like it's been super lame? Yeah, I think last season everybody was so turned off. I mean, you have Jamie and Braun who – it was an interesting idea. Those two together are funny, and they they definitely had some lighter moments. But 
it just they had also the lamest I think battle the show has ever done mm-hmm. last season was Jamie and Braun versus the Sand Snakes. Yeah, that was, was super inc- lame, incredibly stupid. And also, Dorne is so far away that people are like, "Well, what are they even doing?" Mm-hmm. Like, did they? I think people are starting to think about the finale because we have what less than twenty nine episodes. I mean, don't we don't know the exact count, but mm-hmm. it's getting near the end, and so people are starting to think about chess pieces and where they're going to fall. Mm-hmm. Dorne is so far out there that it's like. Why do we care about these people? Right. But right. I think Alarius, like that to me is super interesting. I'm like, okay, Doran is known for being like a it is badass known. place. Yeah, it is known. <laughs> but Doran is like traditionally in its history, a lot of strong females have risen out of Doran. So the fact that they're honoring that is great. Maybe that's why they're not very good characters because the show has such a hit or miss rep- like history with female characters and the fact that they like the sand snakes whenever I see them on screen I'm always so disappointed because they're just like sexy assassins mm-hmm. and Agreed. even like even like this stupid scene where they kill the prince yeah they were just like oh you dumb bitch I can't believe you killed them when I was supposed to kill them like they're 16 (laughs) years old and they're like fighting over the last cheeto in the bag or something right like they're just so immature that it's not they're not believable as human beings and I feel like the sand snakes and then for me like the other character that just always grates on me is Ramsey like the more characters that we have who are essentially there for sadism and there's just like cartoonish sadism and then there's just like very little else like more to them the more interest I lose in the show and so I kind of have hope for Ilaria and if it turned out that Ilaria decides to take down the Lannisters because partly because she wants to like avenge the death of Elia that would be interesting just because that happened literally a bazillion years ago and (laughs) it I I think one of the things that the show does so well is give you these like rich layered histories of every character and so for that very old debt to come back to the Lannisters and that's what takes them down I think that would be interesting because that's just something that they don't expect at all. That's interesting what you said about Ramsey because I feel like Ramsey irritates me and I hate him, but not because the writers, not for the reason that the writers want me to. It's like I, I'm bitter at the writers. I'm like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Like, I just don't understand. Every time that, like, he does something to Sansa, I just keep thinking, like, if he was in the 19th century, he would basically tie her to like railroad tracks and then like after her body was mutilated he would like jerk off to it like he's just so over the top evil that there's just nothing interesting about him and then the more time we have to spend with him it's so uninteresting Mm. and I thought that conversation between like the Bolton father and son was really interesting because Ruth is basically Mm -hmm. like okay like you fucked up because you were too cruel and if you want to keep power 
the way that you keep power is by not using all of that power that you have. Right. Yeah. For a show that's very interested in how to rule and like what makes a good ruler, that was an interesting point. But then like off we go and then like here's like the threat of like Sansa getting mutilated by like Ramsay's dogs. Yeah. And I was just like, eh. So let's talk a little bit about Arya. Uh, what is going on with her? I feel like this is going to be the worst season for Maisie Williams. She's going to sit there blind and not do anything. She's going to be blind and bravos the entire season. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like when Danny was in Marine for the entire mm-hmm. season. It's just going to be boring. Aria. Just boring shit. Yeah. But you know, she's going to learn how to be a badass assassin, which hopefully but, like, she already she'll... is. That's the weird part. I'm like, she knows how to fight without her eye or with her eyes. Why do we have to blind her and learn, teach her to fight again? I think, I mean, they're obviously they want to strip her of her identity. For Arya, she needs to become no one. Mm-hmm. And I think that will help her greatly because right now Arya is so set on getting her vengeance and we all want to see that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we want to see Arya take down the Freys and the Riverlands. Like get it. We want to see them get their comeuppets for killing Rob and Caitlyn. And we want, of course we want to see that. But she she's a little too focused on that. I think Arya is going to be so essential, I hope, to what happens in the end that she needs to start thinking about the bigger picture mm-hmm. and not be so like I need to get my revenge on you I want to kill just this person just you and I want her to in order to do that she needs to listen to her teachers mm-hmm. and she I think will become an even more badass assassin now that she's blind I think she's going to become even more powerful and will be I hope a key player yeah. in that final battle but, whatever happens there but I really wonder if I mean, I think it's an interesting development, but I feel very torn because I think that on the one hand, there is a part of me that wants her to be the one to avenge what has happened to the Stark family. But on the other hand, basically what she's training to become essentially is like a serial killer. And so from the perspective of like looking at this character of like a 12-year-old girl or a 14-year-old girl, it's great that she has, like, entered, like, the first act of, like, every kung fu movie where she gets, like, beaten up a lot <laughs> until she figures out, like, how to not get beat up. But on the other hand, so much of the show is about, like, moral development in a certain sense and how, like, bad people deserve to be punished even if they're not and vice versa. I don't really know where to put Arya on that spectrum anymore. And I think that is something that I wish the show would develop more if she's going to become one of these faceless men like what does it mean morally to be a faceless man or one i just think the show like by the end of the episode half the women on the show were just like in a in a prison cell blind on the street mm-hmm. you know running to the north yeah he's trapped in an old widow house like i'm just like i think they've just sort of there's like everything's at a bit of a standstill for them and that yeah annoyed me i was just frustrated by the end except of for sansa that's I true she's, sansa she's on was, the move sansa was the one that she is the Stark to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there's two Starks to watch. One we didn't see. That's Bran. That's okay. I stand oh, for Bran. Yeah. Bran's, Bran's <laughs> my man. I'll keep going. But uh, but yeah, but Sansa, I think, I love I That was the first moment that I think I ever felt truly happy watching Game of Thrones. It's not a show I watched to, to be happy, of course, mm-hmm. but I felt so happy watching Brienne give her oath to Sansa. Yeah, and that to was see lovely. Sansa accept. I was like, oh my god, this is what I waited for, and finally Sansa gets a small win. Right. And they're 
hopefully headed to Castle Black. She'll hopefully reunite with Jon Snow. Like, will they fall in love? Is what I want to know. I was like Jon Snow and Sansa and Sansa. Like that's what I want from this show. I'll forgive it for everything else. Maybe Pod. Mm, What about Pod? No, it's got to be Brienne and Sansa. I just, I don't know. Sorry, Pod. I'm hopeful. Pod can go (laughs) join Gendry wherever he is. Yeah, I don't even know. They're like twins. I I feel like I cannot tell them apart. They really are. It was like they sent Gendry off, realized that that was a bad decision. They were like, let's make Pod the new Gendry. There are so many twins on this show, you guys. I never know who anyone is. I'm not kidding. I don't, like Half the time I have to pause it and be like, ask my boyfriend who everyone is. I really did love the part where Sansa and Theon slash Reek decide to get together. And there's that scene where after they cross the river, they hug. And it's like this brother-sister reunion Mm-hmm. And then she's literally dying of hypothermia. Yes. Well, but yeah, but it's so sweet in a certain sense. And then they go under that like burnt, uprooted tree, which is such a beautiful like metaphor for like the fallen Winterfell, which is also like now yeah. now like burnt and like uprooted because the Starks yeah. aren't there anymore. I thought they did that really really well. It was like one of those few times you- where I was like, "Good job on the metaphor, guys." Yeah. Do you feel like there, like Theon has somehow redeemed himself? Like, are you back on Team Theon? You know, after he lost his dick, I was like, okay, you've suffered enough. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> so we've been talking about this for a while. I feel like we could talk about this for like four more years. Um, but we got We should wrap it up. And does anyone have any have any thoughts about final thoughts about this week or thoughts about next week? I I already hinted at it, but I love Bran. I know nobody cares about Bran right now, yep. but I promise everyone that we will care about Bran, <laughs> that he is a, a major, major player in Game of Thrones and that he is coming back in a big way this season. Uh, but for me, Bran embodies what I love about the show, and I think we saw it a little bit with Melisandre, and now we're going to see it more with Bran, and that's the magical fantasy element of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And if you're turned off by that idea, then then maybe Bran's storyline isn't for you because his storyline is very much magical and it's all about the, basically the fantasy genre embodied, mm-hmm. So, which I'm totally excited for. And also if you are a maester and you're into Game of Thrones history, you will also get some of that with Bran. So nice. I'm just excited to catch up with him and see how big he's gotten. He's gotten so big. <laughs> Hoder-sized. Yeah, I'm... I don't care about Bran, but I, so I feel like Ingu, we're on the same page here. But maybe I will soon. Maybe I'm open to it. I am sad that the only times I really like Cersei is when she's in pain. But I super felt for her, and I thought that was one of the strongest moments of the season premiere when she and Jamie are talking about like the prophecy and her sense of doom that basically Tommen is going to die on her. And this whole idea that she thinks that she should go hang out in, like, the crypt with her decomposing daughter because she doesn't want her daughter to be alone anymore. Like, that's so gross and so beautiful at the same time (laughs) that I was just like, okay. And then when she was saying the, um, when she was repeating back that prophecy to Jamie and she was talking about how she is just sort of accepting now that like all three of her children were going to die this was the first time where I thought 
oh, like, I can see Cersei, like, committing suicide. Because I remember back when we had the Battle of Blackwater in season two, she was basically kind of resigned to being raped uh, repeatedly. But that was sort of like it, if you can call being mass raped it. But now, like, you (laughs) sort of see her despair and just, like, her hopelessness. And I thought that was really strong and I was glad that like the show slowed down a bit to really let Cersei grieve in a way that like we don't usually reserve the time for most of the characters to die definitely well hopefully she'll be in more pain next week uh, (laughs) we'll get to see more of that Um, thanks so much guys thank you thank you that was Rachel Handler Crystal Bell and Ingu Kang on Game of Thrones Check out the recaps and write-ups at mtv.com news. And subscribe to MTV Podcasts on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook, too. This show was produced by me, Mukta Mohan. Thanks for listening, and catch Game of Crones again next week.